So Alex, we've known each other for a while. We've actually played in a game called Strangers prior to Wyvern's Aria, and I, I'm very curious though, what what was like meeting me for the first time as a player like? I made a character called Morin Brightfellow, his little little annoying halfling who is slightly. Morin Brightfellow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember. I recall. Yeah, yeah. So, what was that initial experience of meeting me like? Because unlike most of the people who are in Wyvern's Aria, you're one of the few people who knew me prior to that. Was I just a crazy guy running games for a living? You know, that was back in Nam. Back in the... I don't... You know, that was so long ago. <laughs> you... I think the thought process was, oh, this guy is someone who's played this game since this game existed so therefore he's like backup for the dm he's like the extra knowledge little backboard that we can all throw questions at because at the time that was a that was a second campaign i joined i think this is before i tried because i joined one campaign had like maybe four sessions before i joined strangers there might have been a one shot in between but i think that was probably like my sixth game probably since discovering D&D, so yeah, it was, I didn't know anything, I didn't know how anything worked, I was figuring out, I misunderstood a lot of things, and you were just the weird guy playing a weird character who just knew all the stuff. I mean, I hate being that guy, I hate being teacher's pet to the game master, and that's kind of kind of what I was. Well, maybe you shouldn't know everything, and then you wouldn't have to know everything. Uh, my bad, let me uh, quit my job and go back to ignorance. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sounds, sounds great. Yeah, so you played a character called Tycon, who was a cleric fighter, I believe, if memory serves me. Yeah, he was a, was a human, forged domain cleric, took a one, two level dip into fighter, just for, pretty much just to get martial weapons and second wind. And I don't think it was really worth it in the long run, but whatever, that's what I did. <laughs> you never know how long a campaign is going to run. Yeah, I think my thought process was, uh... I cast for other people and use second wind to heal myself and, you know, just, I think originally I was like, oh, I'm gonna get all up in the fight and be a tank healer, but then I was like, oh no, I'll just stay away from everyone and be a tank healer. <laughs> and then every once in a while I remember that I have second wind, but that's about it. Yeah, I remember pitching a druid healer because there were plenty of rules in the game that support it, like you can be, 5th edition has a lot of healing potential, and got a lot of flack for choosing a druid healer as opposed to a cleric healer. I, I remember that early on, and then I made a cleric healer and was 20 times better than my druid healer. But that, that's a different story. So from there, we transitioned from this game to Wyvern's Aria, and I put out a casting call, and you were the only person from that particular group who was interested in joining a podcast. Wyvern's Aria is very different, though, than your normal D&D game. We introduce a different genre, cyberpunk, which is kind of hot right now. When cyberpunk works, it's hot, and when it doesn't work, then we get a refund, so, you know. Uh, topical. <laughs> it's okay, this, this episode's probably not going to release for another three months, so... <laughs> cyberpunk 2077 just recently released. But what interests you in this particular project? If you were new to gaming, you said that Strangers was your second game, why would you want your third game to be something that's a little more intensive than your standard drink a couple beers with the guys on a Tuesday night? I don't think Wyvern started... I've been playing for about a year at that point, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, probably like a good eight months to a year. I can't, I can't remember the exact timeline. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think we've been playing for... Like, so I, mean, I knew my stuff at that point. 
I played in, you know, other campaigns that fell apart at that point. Yeah, I mean, I think you were still technically in recruiting and recru- recruiting. Yeah, that's the word we can go with. And uh, <laughs> I think technically you were done taking new applications. So if anyone who tried applying is listening to this and might get annoyed by this, I'm pretty sure you were done taking new applications. And I was looking for like, a, I was just scrolling through um, Roll20 because I think I had two games going at that point. I was like, I could fit another one in my schedule with what my schedule looked like at the time. And then I saw your thing advertised and I was like, oh, haha, as a joke, I'm just gonna, I think I just typed sup into the applications. Sup, it's me. And then as a kind of a goof and then thinking like you're done taking applications so it doesn't matter, whatever. And then you're like, hey, do you want to join? I was like, hey, do I want to join? <laughs> Maybe. I tried a stream game. Why not a podcast game? And this guy's a pro, so it should be good. Is, is it good? I mean, well, if you yet to find out, you know, you know, it's I can't really judge something I'm a part of. That's just, you know, that would just be, uh, <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Okay. Joking, just joking. Yeah, I remember getting this application from Alex, and it was just sup, and I was like, this asshole has never read my entire thread. They have things you're supposed to put in your I- initial application, and I forgot about it for like two or three days, and then. I remember opening up Rule 20 again and like seeing your profile picture as the one that says, sup, and I was like, oh. <laughs> Just as a, because when I started using Discord because of our D&D games, so I used the same avatar for Rule 20 as Discord, so I think that's where you connected. Yeah, it's a, it's a husk from Mass Effect. And so I was like, I don't know, why not just have something unique? And that's something I just had on hand. And then, <laughs> and then I think you're like, oh wait, I know this guy. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, and I, I don't think I interpreted it as a joke at first because you, you said, oh, this is a cool game idea in our private conversation. I've been working on Wyvern's Aria since we met and a little bit before that kind of as a big idea that I was finally putting into motion. So I think I took your application serious, even if you meant it as a joke and kind of pushed you into the second or third stage of my casting or recruiting, I guess, recruiting process. Well, I mean, I didn't, um, hmm. I just was on the assumption that you were just not taking anyone else. So just as, just to annoy you, I was like, <laughs> look, there's another guy trying to get in here. But, uh, well, yep. I mean, the concept is cool. So of course I was interested, but yeah. If you were just some stranger, <laughs> it would have been a bigger issue, but you're, you're not. So here you are. Flattered. So, what was your initial interpretation to the setting? Because I, I pitched a rather different concept than most of your D&D games. I pitched fantasy meets cyberpunk, and fantasy quite literally crash landing into a cyberpunk world, and what that means, and that... It's not original, but it's unique to D&D 5th edition. What was your initial thought about the setting, and what caught your attention? Well, I mean, like, like you said, it's not like... No offense. It's not like you're the one who came up with this idea and it's groundbreaking. It's never been done before, but it's never, I've never seen it done in d and I've never seen it done as a thing I could play. Like, I'm not an anime person, but I'm pretty sure that I've heard of an anime where it's like, oh, if this guy from the future goes into fantasy land or vice versa or something like that. Like, so yeah, that, that idea exists, but once again, no one's putting it into something I can be a part of. And then I was like, oh, that's a cool idea. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 hmm. 
I think the cross of worlds is a cool piece. Like, yeah, someone with a gun in the cyberpunk world is going to just be able to just blow away just a random nobody from the fantasy world. But the fantasy world, oh, hey, look, I'm going to literally summon a storm above you and destroy everything you know and love because I can do that because of magic. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it was that cross of ideas that uh, was interesting and I wanted to hop in some way. I think from the start, my brain automatically went to an idea of a fantasy character lost in cyberpunk stuff. Sounding more interesting than a more contemporary, even though it's not, you know, really realistic, a more quote-unquote real-world cyberpunk person getting lost in fantasy, because that's been done before. Plenty of, you know, I don't know why my brain is going to the movie Black Knight with Martin Lawrence, where he falls (laughs) into the moat and he gets sent back to Camelot. And he's in, he's in Camelot. That's what my mind went to. But there's plenty of stories like that. Yeah. One person going back in time. So I wanted to flip it and reverse it. Yeah. I like this conversation between technology and magic and sort of balancing that. Because in many fantasy literature, there's always that kind of like the common man, the people who don't have magic now keep up with the magic folks. And we kind of get this this idea kind of put into overdrive because not only do wizards have meteor swarms cyberpunk people have mutants and nukes and other sort of laser weapons and that sort of thing how did i never think of nukes (laughs) that is the plot point Uh uh-oh no 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 why 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 would you think that but this sort of relationship of magic and technology is a huge theme in fantasy that gets really emphasized when science is arguably more powerful than magic because of things like nukes. Though it is a huge question of how our players get to react because our players are also low level for, for what it's worth. You guys don't have access to Meteor Swarm or nukes or or high high powered is explosives a, is that a feature in a cyberpunk class that i that i missed nuclear physicist level 20 launch nuke roll 6000 d100 it is now just can't do anything until 20th level yeah you're, you're just a level one civilian for 19 <laughs> yeah. levels but so you talked a little bit about the fantasy character lost in time kind of in a world of technology which which has been done too i, I guess there was like a fairy tale movie where a knight was sent to modern day uh, i don't know why i'm thinking about that what movie is it but what what brought you to arnar arnar is a fairly unique character he's a sailor he has i don't want to call it military training but he has 100 percent military training that's the correct thing to call it he 100 percent a marine is is that what was that your intention oh yeah from this yeah yeah 100 percent. yeah yeah it's a it's a fleet it's a world that lives in a fleet and he like it's a whole nation on ships and he instead of being a he i mean they're all sailors that well, regardless of what your job is you know how to sail the ship but his job is the fine he does the, the rustling so yeah he's he's a i guess i don't think i've ever actually called him a marine before but then i think about it he is a marine i know we described him as like the the navy seals of the fleet i guess i i never associated his training as this strict military boot camp type type thing i think we're gonna we're gonna hash this out right here right now i think yeah uh, oh, of course we are <laughs> i think uh like the whole fleet would be like their whole society is pretty militaristic i mean you have to be more strict than the normal when everyone's living on a ship 
when you're living on this big old fleet it needs to be really coordinated everything needs to work properly or people just die so yeah i think they would yeah they would have to be a very strict hierarchy like you know you would expect on a ship of the time which there is yeah, yeah so like it's makes sense that it's very you know militaristic and then he just happens to be being a fighter you know just class mechanics fighter he ends up being you know a fighter so yeah fair enough so but there are like civilians on board as well there are their families well i mean yeah but like i think it's like yeah there's they have families and stuff like that but like everyone's doing a job that help like there's no yeah there's probably someone who's like you know smuggling some stuff record like you know off the time but there's no like just people hanging out there's no full-time criminals there you could be someone you know doing underhand dealings but they're all everyone is everyone is part of the ship and that is their livelihood there's no yeah. free area they don't, there's no on land you can just like walk away assured they could get off when they're at port or whatever but there's no like area where someone could just not be a part of the society when they're all shipborne correct you you are innately ingrained into the minutiae of what's going on on the boat, whether you want to be or not. And it probably isn't seen as, like, you know, like, no one probably feels as, like, you know, trapped there because that is literally how they view society working. And if anything, they probably view, you know, the land and, like, the potential for just not doing something or just being, you know, like, a bum on the street. They view that as, like, probably as just a negative, as a even though you have more options to just do what you want, even if you want to do nothing, they probably view it as like, oh, well, in society is lame and dumb and bad, to put poetically and very, yeah. very smartly. It no good. It, it no good. It's probably the thought process of the people among that. But I mean, I mean, to be 100% honest, Arnar wasn't even the first character idea I threw at you. I think very quickly I wanted to be, I think I want, I don't know why at the time I was like, I want to be a ship guy. And at the beginning, I think I gave you the idea of a of a character I tried to play in a campaign that fell apart because I don't know why it fell apart. I don't remember why. I had a few that fell apart when I just started. But uh, back on topic. Uh, yeah, I had this uh, character that I ended up playing when we did like a little side thing with uh, you, uh, Mavir. He's a Asimar. We weren't going to use this class option because it's not an official one, but he was Asimar Bloodhunter slash Rogue Swashbuckler. I was just gonna change it to fighter slash rogue swashbuckler. I don't, I think partially through like character creation, like I gave you like a backstory for him and everything. Mm, I remember that. I'd written up. Yeah, I gave you this idea for Mavir. I gave you like the backstory and everything like that. And then I think we were all hashing out like when we got together in person to talk about it. And like, well, not in person, you know what I mean? In mm. on mic and all five of us were talking about it. Uh, I think that's when you threw out the idea that dragonborn were like a society on the sea and i was like mm. huh dragon man huh maybe i like this no you know what i was waiting for a flight no 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 no. yeah no because i was waiting for a flight when i i remember i discorded you on my phone i had to do it in like five chunks because it doesn't let you send long messages over the phone the original mavir idea i flew back home this was back when i lived in washington i flew back to massachusetts when we had the original five person meeting we hashed out like character classes and races and stuff. That's when like I had no idea what he would be like, but I had dragonborn fighter sailor. And then on the way back, I remember having to wait like three. I don't know what screwed up, but I had to wait like three hours at the airport. And then I just hashed out the idea of Ar that's where Arnar first existed. And I was like, all right, he's a fighter. 
He's gonna be kind of serious. He's gonna have. He's he obviously has a family on the ship. He has a yeah. He's got he's got these two siblings. Well, one and a half siblings. He's got his parents. His parents aren't together anymore. His mom is a really good quartermaster. His dad is something else on the sh another ship. And yeah, and that's like when the idea of like who, what he looks like, what he is, his personality, his you know family history came together. I think that's when I designed his character. He's got the three scars on his neck from when he helped put down like a. I don't know if insurrection or mutiny is the right word. Yeah. Like he helped put down uh, another Dragonborn ship that tried to dupe something. And yeah, and he got uh, in hand to hand combat another Dragonborn gashed at his uh, neck and he's got these nice scars on the underside of his chin. Yeah, if I, uh, if I remember correctly, we took the idea that Dragonborns using their claws is very dishonorable in your society. So. The fact that this person uses his claws on you had a lot of significance to that. It's not very honorable. It was a... Because it, it can't... It's like... Because you got to take... When you're on a ship, you're in a closed ecosystem. Well, not entirely. Not really, because you got the sea and all the resources. But for, like, materials, you're in a pretty closed ecosystem. So everyone takes care of everything. So for Arnar, his sword is very important. And everyone who's in that profession, they take care of their gear very much and that's very ingrained into who they are so when he got into this fight with this person and they it caught down to fists it's oh it's it's wrong it just feels off to them because they're they got separated from this stuff that is so important to them and then that's when arnar got cut off guard and yeah this other guy almost clawed him out yeah um, arnar is so I think I talked a little bit about this with Sean in his character episode for Rythan. Arnar is a realist. I did ask my players to think about sort of their personality tropes, and you thought that this trope worked best for Arnar. Do you remember why? I think I think mostly most of the characters I want to play. You probably don't have experience with this because, uh, like we said, mentioned earlier, Tycon, Tycon Peace Fist, my first character that you experienced was like he being a cleric. He was low charisma, and uh, he ended up being a kind of serious character. And Arnar is also a kind of serious character, but most of my characters are very, very, like, they're pretty, yeah, they're, I, charisma, uh, we were talking about this earlier with uh, another thing we were doing, uh, RPGs, charisma is the go-to, charisma is my favorite stat, I just want to talk out a situation, my characters are usually upbeat and happy and joyful, and so yeah, I mixed it up a little bit with Arnar, where he's not, you know those people who call themselves realists, but they're just pessimists? They're just, yeah. they're just, they're just assholes. Uh, they're, uh, <laughs> they're just, uh... Well, why you gotta call me out like that? <laughs> they're just, they're just jerks. But they call themselves realists. So like, oh, everything's gonna go bad and horrible. I'm just a realist. It's like, no, you're not. There are plenty of things <laughs> go right. Plenty of things go fine. You just gotta plan it out and think about it. Yeah, I wanted to, I didn't want Arnard to be a pessimist. He's a real, like, he's like, well, we can't just, in a situation where, I don't know, you capture these people, it's like, we can't just let them go because they're gonna go tell whoever that we're here and that everything's gonna go wrong but he's not like we're gonna kill them on the spot it's like leave them tied up one of the patrols are gonna come around in a day at most and they'll free them and we'll be long gone at that time something like that like he's not just gonna kill a person outright or something he's not gonna like see like an enemy approaching him and go everything's awful everything's ruined we're all dead the whole scrap the whole situation's run away he's like the idea behind him is things have to get done he doesn't want to do the things a lot of times, but he ha he realizes we gotta do the thing, and no one's gonna have fun doing it. But it has yeah. to be done. Come I think on. 
I think Arnar is the most grounded character in any given situation. Very realistic, giant dragon man. Very, <laughs> very grounded. Very grounded reality than them giant dragon mans. His 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 thought process is very grounded. <laughs> but like I think a lot of the times where the party and I'm not a hundred percent sure when this episode's going to get released, but the party has made decisions and Arnar has kind of had to bring them back into focus. Especially when we think about things that happened with the Children of the Forest slash Dragon storyline that's going on in, in our current recording session. There's just been a lot of interesting minutiae that Arnar has kind of had to step in and be like, all right, we need to focus. What can we do to actually get the job done? And I think you, you play that card fairly, fairly well. So good on you. Yeah, it's the, uh, we gotta start doing something. Even if it's right now, it's the wrong direction. We'll figure it out and we'll course correct, but we can't just sit here. He's one of those types. Yeah, the, uh, which, which is good for a pop. One of the worst things in D&D is sitting around for three hours trying to figure out where to go next. I, I hate that. That's the worst. Making a plan that fails after the first roll. Yeah. And then you make seven different plans at the same time. You think you agree on the plan. And then person C is like, wait, I thought we were doing plan three. Like we were doing plan two. We thought we all came to that conclusion. Why did you did you expect that part? And then person D is like, oh, I thought we were doing plan one. It's uh, plan one prepped. Yeah, that that that's the typical. Yeah, it 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 happens a lot. But you am great. I know. You am great. You what? you you am great. I'm not the one here with the ma- masters in English. Yeah. You know, I didn't get a master's for not using my spell check. Um, <laughs> you created a dragonborn. So what attracted you to being a dragonborn? Was it this fleet idea? Or, you know, the main plot line of this story is a giant dragon screwed up the multiverse. Lack of a better way to put it. So did you make a dragonborn thinking of the overall plot line? Or are you strictly wanting to be a sailor and dragonborn was the best race to be a sailor? Hmm. I think the originally it was two worlds are basically two islands, two continents next to each other. Sailor, because there's the idea of, oh, here's someone who can like jump in between, you know, the two, because they're, it's like, oh, a sailor can go in between. And then it was fleet of dragonborn, kind of like mercenary fleet. I was like, oh, oh, well, then that's cool. It's just a bunch of dragon people on a bunch of ships, you know, taking contracts and, you know, getting into a battle for some people or escorting some ship or whatever it is that they happen to be doing at that time for that contract. Yeah, I think just, I don't know, Dragonborn is a race I never played before. Once again, going back to, you get a bonus to Charisma. And mm-hmm. uh, like I said, Charisma is the best stat, even though I'm pretty sure Arnar's Charisma is not fan. It's 12, 12 Charisma. It's average, it's not it's like... Pl- it's a plus one. So yeah, yeah, like once again, yeah. And that, you know, I just, I think the idea, I think it was a combination of just things clicking at the same time. And then I was like, then I just had a picture in my head of, all right, dragon. I like the idea of metallic better. All right. Which element do I like? Ooh, lightning. Okay. Bronze it is. Bronze. That looks good. I was also, once again, bring it back to Tycon. That was his whole deal. He liked working with bronze. I was like, all right, this is going to seem like I'm, I, I'm a one, one trick, one metal pony. What? No. What? <laughs> yeah. It's going to seem like I have some weird thing, but I swear, guys, it's just a coincidence. But yeah, no. <laughs> Went with the bronze and i was like all right he's bronze he's all with dragonborn would that mean both his parents are bronze like oh what about he's like silver eyes and his dad is a silver dragonborn while his mom is bronze or maybe the other way around i would need to double check 
pretty sure. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Father is bronze. Sorry, father's bronze. Mother is silver. So he, yeah, he has silver eyes, but he's mostly bronze. And he's got he's got an older half brother from his dad's side who's like a copper, you know, because it's like an almost bronze. And that I was like, <laughs> that's cool. Like I know I think it was I think I came up with the visuals of him, you know, wearing like his sailor get up sailor get up what he's wearing like a like a an opened tunic kind of and then he's got his uh he's got a scarf that he wears like his only fat his only one of two fashionable things is a scarf because eh, a scarf i don't know if that's the right word but it's just something to ward off the sun because you're in just direct sunlight for a lot of times when you're on a ship and he's got a copper um, armband on his uh arm and that's for his older half brother who, uh, I don't think we've mentioned the story. I don't think I've mentioned any of the family in the story. We haven't. We haven't gotten much. The only person we've talked about is Gaius. Yeah, his, uh, his pal. Is uh, uh, Goliath. Well, not really much of a pal. Shipmate at the moment, really. Like his yeah, yeah. first mate for this little expedition he's on. Yeah, we. But, uh, yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I came up with the idea of like, here's he's got copper involved. Okay, he's got a half brother maybe who's copper. Like you know, this is close to what his dad is. You know. All this stuff yeah i don't know clicked and i thought let's have a how about we have a uh, another sibling in there there's a sister and uh she's really good at the, everything involving being a sailor just like picture perfect sailor and Barnard might be a good he might be a good sailor but he's not like gonna climb the ranks and he's gonna be you know he wasn't destined to be the ship captain yeah he's not destined to be like you know running the ship but he's he's gonna be important on the ship he's gonna be running his own crew You've yet to figure out how that's gonna all work, how that you know functions in the world. But yeah, I think that's our, I think that's our next storyline to be honest, because we are heading away. Spoilers, I guess. Uh, we're gonna be heading away from Mezamola to go to the Fantasy Lands after the current story arc, and you have to get there by boat. So <laughs> it makes it, it makes the most sense to start talking about Arnar, and I, I wrote out a little thing for that uh, the other day. We'll see what we'll see what I keep, but you know. <laughs> But in, you know, in all fairness, right now the the small smaller ship that he came here on is mostly Goliaths at the moment. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's so not even like a good representation of. <laughs> it's like the... I hope to do more with the Goliaths soon because I feel like they were a forgotten plot point for a little bit uh, as we focused on more cyberpunky things. Yeah, but there there are two uh, aspects of Arnar's character. That I, I want to talk about for this brief recording. Real quick, you just said his name. I just want to put. I just want to throw it out there about his name. Wanted to go really like Roman style with his name. That's why you mm-hmm. know you got the the the, the, the this. I don't know. It's, I randomized a bunch of Dragonborn names. I noticed there was a theme of like Roman sounding, like a harsh first word and like a first name, and then like kind of like a like just that. I don't know. Just that family, that clan kind of name. So. Uh, it was Arnar, and I think I was between two different names for the last name, and I combined them for the Jerry Namanis, which was, <laughs> and then I used that, and I was like, okay, why did I combine those two? Maybe his mom's name is from the one name, and his dad's name is the other name, and I put it in the me- middle, and that's when I got the idea. Maybe the, maybe his parents aren't together anymore, and that's why his name is in between. Maybe it's a weird thing Dragonborn do. I don't know. We'll figure it out. It is now. It is now. I decided <laughs> it. Ha ha ha. It's my world. I'm in charge. <laughs> yeah. um, but there are two parts of the story that I wanted to uh, to talk to you about. Your first mission as kind of like a pseudo-captain was to take a dragonborn noble 
Lydia, Scales, Cavendish, if my memory serves me correctly. And so you met Scales, who is a gem dragon. And I'm very curious to, to think about what uh, your relationship with someone who is a noble on land and sort of what you think, what maybe what Arnard's interpretation of who Scales in, and then maybe you, Alex's interpretation of gem dragons, because that's something I created specific for this world. Yeah, so, I mean, I think we kind of went with the quote-unquote standard dragonborn. We went with kind of the standard look. Large, you know, like a large humanoid with the, uh, you know, that head whatnot. Like, just very imposing, normally looking. But then the gem style are, like, lithe and, like, smaller, right? Like, more of an Correct. Eastern influence than a Western one. Correct. Yeah, so I think, yeah, I don't know if we ever hash this out. There probably aren't many gem dragon born on the ship on the fleet are there no gem dragon yeah. born or not not innately like there's probably a couple you probably have a couple of all races on your uh, on your fleet yeah, but i mean everyone is technically welcome but it's a still you have to uh, first of all prove yourself you know but then also it's just like you innately are kind of part of it by being born to it and most people being dragonborn already blah 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 you know it's an existent it's a cycle but yeah um i think arnar would I think he would be less focused on the fact that she's a fellow dragonborn. I think that's there's not much fellowship, not like in, in an antagonizing way, but there's not much fellowship there because she's not part of the fleet. Like I feel like even like a normal, you know, once again, the standard, you know, D and D dragonborn wouldn't be seen as a fellow dragonborn really if he was if they were, you know, living their like their family, their whole life was like on the land and like had no part of the fleet, they would still be seen as, like, not really one of his people. You know what I mean? So, yeah, they're both both him and Lydia are dragonborn, but, like, even with the names, you can see that they're different types of people. Like, she's a very, you know, Lydia Cavendish. Like, very, I don't know, if I saw Lydia Cavendish, I wouldn't second-guess that. But if in real life I was reading a roll call and I saw R&R Jerry Namonis, I'd be like, what the <laughs> hell is this? What is this yeah. thing? But yeah, like, so, like, a I feel like it's less like, yes, them being Dragonborn, there is like a innate, like, we're the same kind of rare type of people, and that's kind of cool, but he doesn't see it as like, we are fellow Dragonborn, because she's not part of the fleet. She's not part of his society, regardless of she looks more similar to him than he looks like to a vet. Yep. One of the questions I've struggled with, and and I don't know if I fully have an answer, is how recognizable the dragon fleet is as, like, a political force. So part of creating Lydia is a is, is to explore that, that idea. She's also designed to, um, you know, kind of kind of be a noble connection to talk about politics, yeah. uh, which she has. But, yeah, I, I think the gem dragons, and it's partially because I'm Chinese and I like eastern dragons so we created these gem dragons which which are dnd based creatures they do exist in dnd in previous editions but um yeah see. my knowledge is all 5e yeah uh there there was a whole it's a whole another conversation i think uh i think uh kind of scales and arnar are pretty good foils for each other they they come from different things uh Arnar is a little more nitty gritty, more a little more down to earth, and and Lydia is. And she's like a bard, right? Yeah, she's. Uh, I mean, 
cla- class-wise, she is a College of Swords bard. Yeah, but like we've seen her do magic, and like that's not something Arnor is. Even though, yes, he can breathe fire out of his mouth. Not sorry, he can breathe like ah, man, stupid. He can breathe lightning <laughs> out of his mouth. He's not. He can't do magic, and I think that's kind of what you keep saying. He's grounded, even though he's you know a lizard person. No, he's not a lizard person. Shut up, Rathen. He's a dragon person. Uh, <clears throat> because, I mean, he's just a guy who fights with a sword while everyone else is like, oh, let me shoot my magic bullets or let me cat, let me throw this imp head at this person or let me use a spectral Iron Maiden whatever. And then I was like, I, I swing sword good. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, so she's, once again, she's like, he's the grounded as much as he can be. Well, not being human and she's this like it's fantasy it's fun fantastical gem encrusted magic using noble lady but the relationship with scales or 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 lydia is emphasized in the fact that she gave you a scale and then she infused it into your weapon uh, what do you call it now a maelstrom 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 yeah i was thinking of, uh, i was thinking i think i threw out a few names and i think uh, Maelstrom was the only one that didn't require any explanation. I think all the other names were kind of like, you know, let's use a fancy word, esoteric. And like, <laughs> you'd have to like, look up why it was called. It's like, oh, well, he's a sea person, Maelstrom. Boom, there we go, done. Yeah. But I want to say I earned that skill by breaking it off her in a duel. And well, I yeah. like three 20s in a row. And I absolutely just, just, we were just sparring and I rolled, wasted all my nat 20s. In a, in a sparring match, yeah. <laughs> it again i think there is this cool concept of kind of community and camaraderie and i'm really trying to emphasize that good people kind of need to work together even though our party is morally ambiguous sometimes we won't name names arnar is a fantastic person he is a stand-up citizen you say otherwise he'll fight you so but what do you think uh (laughs) what do you think of maelstrom as a weapon do you think that was a cool idea I mean, yeah, I mean, like, well, I'll walk around, which is a rinky-dink greatsword now, but now I got greatsword who does electric damage every once in a while, and let me, let me pull up all stats. Thunder, thunder, thunder damage. Yeah. Uh, thunder damage. You, you, you know how much that is messing with me? Because his whole <laughs> deal is lightning, and then you went ahead and put thunder on there. The sapphire, the sapphire dragonborn to have a, a, a thunder effect. No, I that's mean, yeah, she... no, it makes sense. I mean, that's her, that's whole whole deal, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you know, regardless of anything else, it's nice to have a nice plus one. But uh, <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, like the features aren't that cool, and I like to think of it as um because you know, once again, their whole deal is I feel like the great sword is just it looks like just a great sword. There's nothing special about it. I like to uh nothing not like you know anime BS, no like cloud from Final Fantasy, stupid looking anime things. Like it, I think the best like if you want a real quick glance of what I'm imagining is uh ice from uh game of thrones ned stark mm-hmm. sword it that is a very special weapon in like the setting it's valerian steel very important but it just looks like a big dang sword and that's what i'm imagining with iron he's just got to, maybe you know his is a little bigger because he's you know not human he is naturally stronger so maybe it's like a little wider but yeah that's what i'm imagining and now that it is maelstrom instead of just great sword number one uh, i like to just picture you know it's just the the gem, the scale, just like imprinted on one side, you know, kind of in there. And then every once in a while, just a wave of like that, 
like that blue, like the dark, a darker blue, just like maybe veins, just everyone's all just kind of shoot out of it, not out of it, like through the metal, like mm. snaking it like like a lightning bolt, like keep on just to beat the same theme down over and over <laughs> and over again, just everyone's well just kind of snakes up the uh, the blade, and yeah, but besides that, like if you was it wasn't for that special effect, it would just look like a you know a big old sword with a little blue gem in it. Yeah, that's such a cool visual to me. Like, it, if Wyvern's Zarya ever became, like, a visual medium in one way, shape, or form... Just do it Kickstarter like, real quick. Nail it. Critical Role did it. Why can't we? Basically the same show. Yeah, we, we can earn, <laughs> earn, like, $13 million. Yeah, yeah easy. Easy, dude. Easy. You, oh, Shane, I thought... Well, we're, we're getting character arc done soon. Really? Again, for season two, when we get that, uh... Yeah. So, uh, look forward to that, I guess. When season two comes out, we'll hopefully have a whole new slate of art. So, I, I'm very interested to see the artist's interpretation of that weapon. Because there's, there's no way we can't feature it, right? Like, I think we have it in a sheath in our current character art. But, you know, it has, it has to be out and vivid for whatever we do in the future. Yeah, I mean, like, I like uh, what we have. Like, even though it's sheathed and everything, I like how, like, nothing on r and looks like, you know, well, once again, just a... Just a really beat home that I don't watch anime. Nothing looks <laughs> anime-y really on RNR besides the fact that once again he's a dragon person. Like if you just threw all that onto a person person, he would look kind of normal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like yeah, like like I'm looking at it right now. Like the hilt and all that stuff. Nothing's really you know super special looking about his sword, and I wanted that, especially because first of all, it is just a sword at the beginning. <laughs> just starts Ooh. off just a sword. I really like idea of magic items that level with you in a sense uh, yeah. that up upgrade through story points. I'm not into like the oh I pick up a sword let me trash my old one <laughs> sell it back to the merchant. I also like very special magical items that don't look super different. The worst design in anything I can think of, and it really annoys me that a lot of like sci-fi and fantasy stuff has been going towards this recently is floaty bits. Everyone wants to put floaty bits on stuff, and it always looks so <laughs> stupid. I hate it. The worst. Like, oh, here's this sword that's made out of 15 little blades that all float near each other. It's like, no, it looks dumb as hell. Oh, here's fancy, you know, magic. He's... <sighs> Halo's doing it. Mass Effect did it with Andromeda. Dragon Age was doing it. Awful. Stop it. Everyone's <laughs> gotta stop it. Floaty bits are stupid. Tangent. Rant. Over. Uh, how, how do I transition from here? Um, Magic sword. It's also interesting that RNR has connected to the cyberpunk world in kind of the oh. wrong, the wrong way, right? <laughs> interested is in that this rounded character take this gas that effectively makes you a super soldier type type effect here, like for. A briefest of moments, um, you get to breathe in this gas, you become super strong, and you get the effects of the rage ability. And it actually caused um, Arnar to take a level of Barbarian, though we have skinned it a little differently now than through the drug. But I'm interested in hearing about the drug bringing out Arnar's brutality almost if that makes sense because Arnor we described him as a marine he's disciplined he's focused his subclass reflects that and then he whenever we described him as a barbarian he's always kind of trying to control this frustration and I'm interested in both 
the decision to use the drug, which was optional, and then the decision to kind of give Arnar an anger problem or to to an extent. Yeah, so I mean, I think pretty quickly when I decided fighter, I decided samurai, not because of I didn't I, not because of like you know the it's anime the visual, not not yeah, just not yeah, I'm reskinning samurai to just being a disciplined. I like the yeah the idea of like he takes a second to think, and then he acts like yeah that's what I was going for with samurai. And then at the same time, I think when I was thinking about, it, I was like, ooh, but like it's kind of like and with a barbarian in there it's like the sea it's like you know calm serene sea but then a storm a maelstrom if you will so like the idea is you know i could use you know just a samurai for that and think oh well that uh one feature um oh god uh fighting spirit when like even like it's the vocabulary in the mechanics is like oh you take a second to you know focus or whatever so i think oh uh, this is an idea i like you know focusing you know he's probably got a lot of time to just think ways of the sea and like so yeah it's just like he just stops breathes in focuses and then he attacks like you know very quickly very uh succinctly very sharply and then i thought you know a little bit of barbarian in there what's a little like you know like a storm and like ooh, i like that idea so when the uh when the gas came up and like garnar's you know being straight laced you know he's already used his fighting spirit at that point you know it's a good feature you know i've i'm pretty sure i used the same uh, not because I'm, you know, being lame and don't want to think of something else, but being practiced and disciplined means you're going to do things the same way frequently. So when I'm using fighting spirit, I always describe as he takes a breath, one foot slides forward, arms slide back. He's like in place, ready for a very accurate strike. He's ready to just go. So then, yeah, I've been using doing that the same way. And then you've described this drug that makes you go crazy and you're stronger and i think because of the way the fleet is set up there isn't much place for drug use drug making yeah he would know about drugs he would know like you know what they are what they do and alcohol is you know probably distilled on the ships there's alcohol plenty but yeah things like drugs probably wouldn't be a huge thing on the ships and i think when arnar hears oh here's this gas that makes you into a super soldier but you're a little angry at the time. He's just thinking, oh, that's an asset. He doesn't think of, oh, here's my next fix. <laughs> he just thinks that's an asset that can be used at this moment. And when he used it, it was an important moment. Rythan was about to be, you know, kidnapped. We had to get Rythan out of there. It didn't seem like a good way to do it. So he used the gas and then things went trippy and he just annihilated a few people. And yeah, we got Rythan back. And then there was the cool off period. and. I remember like trying to play up. He's like, feels off. He, he, he can still focus when need be, like when he gets into a fight, but it, he didn't really like the feeling. But now that we got, you know, barring when this comes out, it's going to be not very uh, timely. But we just got that, uh, we just ran into those people who had that button on a, like a gauntlet or something that. That episode's already so released. Yeah, yeah, so regardless, this is, uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. we still, we still have recently acquired that, mm -hmm. uh, that, uh, originally it was, like, starting to turn him, like, turn him into a dragon, but, like, now it's, like, now that he's shaken off the effect and, like, it, the, the gauntlet's been separated from the rest of the whole deal, the effect is lesser, and now that's kind of, like, his, his, uh, tunnel into rage, when, like, 
sure, maybe in the future he could, you know, channel it, use it when need be, au natural. But at the moment, he needs the little kick to get there. And he probably, you know, is gonna realize that. Real, he's gonna realize, he does realize that. After using that drug, that's not the best way to go about it. The gas isn't the good way to go about it. He would still use it in a pinch if it absolutely was necessary. He's not gonna, it's not like he's an addict and it's not like he's, or that like he's sworn it off for good. He's not either way in the spectrum. He would use it if, uh, you know, something drastic would happen again. But no, now he's got the button. It's a much more controlled thing. No hallucinations this time, if I do recall. So yes, it still sets him off in a rage. He doesn't want to be in a rage, but it's something he's going to use when he needs to use it. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see some of the... See, see some of the negative consequences of of that. There are none. Awesome. Wash my hands of this. We're good. Oh, you're perfect. No, I don't. I, I don't think it would be a good story if we just leave it at that. What? Well, I think we are more or less done with this this particular character episode, and we'll we'll talk more like this in the future, sometimes. But um, how do you like Wyvern's Aria? I'm certain it's a different game than anything else you've. Uh, maybe maybe I'm just saying that and thinking I am some unique man who's running this project, but, you know... Uh, scale 1 to 10, it, uh, it sucks, and uh, it's awful. And Well, this moment... is all for today. This is all for this episode. <laughs> Cut the tape. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, no, I mean, like, it's completely different trying to, you know, do these shorter sessions and, you know, and, like, yeah, shorter sessions to make episodes instead of, you know, just playing for three hours, and that's that's how it goes, and we do what we do. Yeah, it's, it's, it's different. I mean, not in a negative way, for sure. And uh, setting's cool. I want to hop back into, you know, fancy side to, you know, really explore the, the whole Arnar stuff. But uh, no, you, I'm down to climb. Do you find that this game, huh? this game is more focused on characters than your other games? Um, hmm, maybe, because I think maybe the other ones, it was uh, like my first uh, session, it was like, it was it started as just randoms being thrown together roll 20 so yeah that was like just the dm had a story and then he got like our uh, backstories and he threaded a few into the story and all that stuff but like i mean i'm still with that group we started a new campaign much more integrated and all that stuff and it's cool and then like our first campaign together same deal we were just a bunch of you know randoms found together on the internet and like i am sure when we do another full blown something full-blown D or whatever it is we do to incorporate more but yeah so far it's mostly just been i have the story and like hey i'll throw you know your nemesis from your backstory and ooh, fancy huh <laughs> but yeah i mean like you, you know you've been in our group chats and uh yeah for uh we <laughs> one of our one of the one of the, one of the players for our our first campaign together the strangers with a with a seven for the the T because there were seven of us originally. One of the strangers thought my character was a half elf the whole time when I was a human. Just a full blown uh, human. Very much, yeah. So, like, yeah. I wasn't super, you know, into like, you know, character backstories and all that stuff and like where the character come from. But like, it's not like we just ignored it and like we're purely mechanics. No, and there was stuff like, oh, this person won't do this anymore because this happened, this happened, this happened, yada, yada, yada. We, you know, there was character development that wasn't, you know, a lot. The focus for sure. Yeah, it's going to be. Um, I'm. I'm always curious, and maybe this is not a conversation for this recording, but I'm always curious to see how styles kind of interact. So I'm a very different game master than uh, 
Game Master of our other group. He's a, uh, yeah, you said it, whatever, do it. He's one of the stuff. That sounds dope, let's do that. Uh, but uh, any any final thoughts before we uh, we close up? Uh, uh, can Arnor get a free level? Uh, yeah, you can level from five to six. Oh, you bastard! We already did that. All right. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean I got I got I got I got nothing. I I I, I talked all my talk. And then my speeches are done. All right. Well, we will probably release this character episode next, so you guys still have Yvette and Casey to hear from soon. Well, whenever. Uh, I, I have a calendar somewhere. In the future. Uh, but uh, if you're interested in these sort of things, please let us know on our Discord and come check us out uh, on Twitter. I think the Discord is probably the best way to, to communicate with us. Uh, we have a Patreon. I don't have a Twitter. Oh, well, you, I, I do. <laughs> if people want to talk to me, God. Um, <laughs> you this discord's great we have a patreon and a kofi if you're interested in giving us support but besides that i think we are checking out now goodbye adios